young voices, big issues. Join us as we explore the real power of Youth Rising. Youth Rising. The Youth Rising podcast by NCS. Hey, this is Youth Rising by NCS, where young people raise their voices to make a positive difference together. We're the podcast for young people, made by young people. And in this series, we've been looking at the issues that are most important to our generation. From self-confidence with Megan Jane Crabb, sex education with Florence Given, and race with Monroe Bergdorf. Make sure to check out the whole series. I'm Musin, and in this week's episode, we're looking at how you find your people. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. Many of us feel overwhelmed by choice, with dating apps and Instagram presenting us with what seems like a never-ending supply of options, people we could be dating, friends we could be hanging out with, lives we could be living. At the same time, once you're out of a formal institution like school or uni, it can be increasingly difficult to find your people. We're seeing young people on reality TV making connections in unusual circumstances and presenting us with the ins and outs of going from being strangers to friends or even lovers. Right, for the first couple of conversations, like, I knew it clear, but I didn't think it would be like as deep as it is now. You can ask us a lot. I think for me it's about intention. It's about getting your head, your mindset in the right space. So many people... Um, Make sure you stay in touch with your friends and your family. We have these things, phones. We can FaceTime people whenever we want. We can chat to them. We can check in with them. We can see how they are. It's not as good as face-to-face interaction. I'm not saying that, but what it is good at is keeping your mind active. Obviously, we've had a few little tips, and I genuinely think it brought us a bit closer. What, you know, put it out there, you know, put it out there and you shall receive. And I think unless you've got your mindset and your attention set on what you want, who you want, and just really fine-tune it, otherwise you just leave, I think, get yourself wide open to just a lot of noise. You heard there Anna Williamson from Celebs Go Dating, Alex Holborn from The Circle, and Finley Tapp from Love Island, who we'll be hearing from shortly. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. It feels good to be back out in the real world with the possibility of meeting old friends, new friends, pursuing romantic relationships and embracing opportunities post-lockdown. But how do we know if we have a true connection with someone? How do we take it to the next level? And how do we know if we're each other's people? Nelly spoke to Love Island winner and influencer Finley Tapp about true friendships and making a romantic connection away from his comfort zone. Hi, Finn. Thanks for being here. No, thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. So you won Love Island in 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about, you know, the relationships that you formed, the friendships you formed, um, your relationship with Paige and your experience making connections in the villa and what that was like. It was like a brilliant experience and one that I'm so glad that I'd done. And like you touched on there in terms of like connecting with different people, I suppose that was the most nerve wracking, especially for someone that I was slightly different because I knew um, who was in there already because I watched the first two episodes before I went in. But for people that are going in there at the start, they just have no idea on who is actually going to be there. And how are you like when meeting new people? Are you open to it? Or are you shy? I'm not the most outgoing, but I'm equally not shy. It sort of takes me a little bit of time to sort of get comfortable 
for example, when I first went on a date with Paige and stuff like that, I was really nervous and she weren't really having it. She was like a little bit like, oh no. But like, as soon as I then get comfortable, that's when I sort of come out my shell a little bit. I know that you wanted to go on a date with Paige. Yeah. But what about forming, you know, connections with other people in the villa? Um, I think for me, like the big part was just to come in and sort of settle down quick in terms of not necessarily like a relationship with Paige, but like relationships with everyone. The sooner I can get to that comfortable stage, then I can just start being myself. Mm -hmm. And when I've watched the show back, the first three, four episodes, I struggled to watch because I'm just not myself because I was just so nervous. But then you soon get comfortable and that's when you can just start relaxing and being yourself. Allowing yourself to be yourself. Does, is it just like a matter of time? Just, you know, how you mentioned being comfortable or is there like other stuff that goes into it as well? I think it's more like just time. It happens very quick when I'm in a normal sort of environment. Say I go out to the pub and my pal's brought his pal that I don't really know and I'm straight away sort of meeting him. That happens very quick. I would say that I'm sort of comfortable off the bat and then if they don't like me, I don't really care sort of thing. Yeah. But going into the show, you know that there's millions watching at home. Exactly. It does take you a bit longer because you're sort of more careful with, can I be myself? After the villa and after Love Island, you know, can you compare, you know, your friendships before the whole Love Island thing happened and after that? How did that change? My friendships before the villa, there's eight of us, eight of us boys in a group chat. And that's been the same group chat since we were 13 years old. And it's still sort of, there's messages in it every day. And that's the friendship that I've had for years. And like I said, it's almost like I don't see them as much because I'm in Manchester. Um, and obviously it's all different. You don't go to school every day and play football every day now with them. you don't speak so, to them every day. Exactly, but it doesn't change necessarily the feeling or how it is when you then see them after say three months or whatever it is between each time. So I think that's a sort of different friendship to what you get in the villa. And not necessarily just the villa, but in terms of all aspects of life when you get older, I think that you can form friendships for a lifetime. I'm not saying that for the, in the slightest in terms of they're not as strong as your friendships, but I do think in terms of befriending someone, your motives change because you want the best people around you because you're sort of more established in a career or in different stages of life. It's not just like school where you've got no stress in the world. So the fact that you had just won Love Island and you know everyone was talking about it and a lot of people knew who you were and so did that kind of make it harder for you to form friendships after Love Island with people who weren't really connected with that Love Island world? It's sort of like a no and a yes. There's some people that before the show they sort of knew me in terms of because they grew up around where I was and, and stuff like that and they would never message me and they would never asked to go out on a night out or then, yeah. do you know what I mean? And as soon as I go on the show and I come back off. Oh, hey, how are you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate, we need to, you know, we need to meet Long up soon. Long time no see. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate that I'm sort of, my mind's the way it is because I knew straight away, not a chance. Like, whereas some people maybe do not fall for it, but they sort of think, oh, great. Like he's messaging me now. He might've been the popular one at school back then and they might think oh brilliant I can now go and meet him but actually you've got to read into that and their motives are all different I think I'm very good at reading people's motives and I can very quickly 
judge whether they're genuine and they are just wanting to meet up for a gym session or this or that, or they are just wanting to put you on an Instagram story. And, and say that, oh, I just hang out, you know? Yeah. So what are some things that you would look out for then? Me personally, obviously social media is a big thing because that's sort of like, you go on there and you've got a thousand followers, you come off and it's crazy. So that's a big thing in terms of if someone meets you and it's like they're wanting to take a video of you every second of the day, like to almost prove to people that they're with you and they're showing people that they're with you. I don't really like that. And that's something I look out for. I feel like sometimes if it suits them, they will want to meet up and want to go for a drink. Yeah. And I feel like it's not necessarily always up to them. And if they can't ever make plans or shift their plans around their schedule for you, yeah. then that's again another red flag, I think. Do you think that new friendships in your life can be valued in the same way as friendships that you've had for a much longer time? Yeah, most certainly. I think it's a different sort of friendship, but I think they definitely can be. And it's important because although, you know, your pals are maybe deemed as your closest pals because you've known them for however many years, they obviously were your pals because you went to school. And I just think that once you progress in life, maybe the people you want around you changes. Yeah, and, and not necessarily change. Yeah, exactly. And not necessarily I need more or new people around me so the old ones need to go but it's just more adding people to your friendship group and your circle so you coupled up with Paige when you first went in uh -huh. and you said that you just knew how did you know well this is a bit of a funny one because it clearly shows that maybe my perception on the situation was incorrect and I'm maybe not as good at gauging things as possible because I said I just knew because I thought that the date went really well. She was laughing at me. I was laughing at her. Like I thought- Did it, it not? Got... No, it didn't go well, <laughs> apparently. It did not go well. Um, but I sort of see that as a blessing because I think if I would have overlooked that, and it's maybe another point to go on to, like if I would have overlooked that first initial thingy and thought that went horrible, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have been as persistent on page. Mm-hmm because I thought, right, I've blown it, she don't like me, that's done. Whereas I had in my mind, that went brilliant, I'm gonna keep chatting to her. Yeah. And eventually, it clicked. So I think it's like, not necessarily putting so much pressure on a first date or a first encounter or something like that. So a bad first date does not mean kind of no connection or does No, it? exactly, no. and that works both sides. If, if you say, for example, you were to go on a first date, and you come away from thinking, ah, oh, I've acted silly there, she's not gonna like me or whatever it is. I think equally it flips that like, yes, they might have acted a little bit funny, but they might have been nervous, they might yeah. have been having a bad day, they might have been this. So I don't think all needs to be lost on a first encounter or a first date. It, it kind of beats the whole first impressions thing a bit. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm an advocate that I don't think a first impression is necessarily like a massive part. It's a big part and mm -hmm. it's good if you get on the, off on the right foot, but I feel like as easy as getting off on the right foot could go south, getting off on the bad foot could go north. So based on your experiences, what does a healthy relationship mean to you? What does it look like? A key to a brilliant relationship is just making each other happy. So finding that thing that makes each other happy and not putting too much stress on it yeah. and communicating. I think communicating is the biggest thing. 
do you think if you kind of had a problem with anything, is it important to kind of voice it out there, you know, then and there? Or would you kind of slide it off a bit and be like, okay, I'll wait for it to happen again. If it does happen again, this is when I'm going to mention it. Um, I think in terms of like, say, for example, a problem within a relationship as in your partner, I think it's best just to say it because I think sometimes you can dwell on something and then it could go two ways. It could be a positive in terms of you take a step back and go, right, have I got a right to be annoyed about that? Could the best solution be just letting it go? Yeah. Or the flip side to that, you could dwell on it and just overthink it. And then by the time you've had uh, a chat, you've been dwelling on it for one day. You then mm. have an argument about it because you're more het up and then it takes a day to resolve. So does it like build up when you don't mention it, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just better to say it, but then equally, I think you need a little bit of time just to take a step back and go, right, is this something worthy of me having a chat with them? Rather than going, I can't believe you've just done that straight yeah. off the bat, because then it's like, you might have that conversation and go, actually, she didn't do all that wrong. What advice would you give to people, you know, fresh out of school, fresh out of uni, who are trying to maintain or kind of establish either relationships, friendships, anything like that? Try and be yourself as best possible from the off and don't perhaps go into it with a clouded mindset in terms of, ah, oh, I'm never going to become as close to them as my school pals, so why bother? Because I feel like the more people, the more good people around you you've got, the stronger than you can be. I will always just go in there almost with a mindset of they've been my pals for years. I'm not meaning like I'll tell them every secret yeah. I've got, but like... Be a bit open, not too open, but kind of just accept them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to just thank you so much for joining us. And this was a very good conversation. Very fun for me as well. I was very excited. <laughs> and I think that the whole thing about kind of being careful about who you're being friends with and how you're approaching new people, not being too closed off, but also not being too open. I think that was very important. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Just go with the flow. I think sometimes people are too uptight on a date or meeting new people. Everyone's had that experience where they go out with their friend and their friend's friend and their friend goes to the toilet and you're sat with the friend that you don't really know. Yeah. That's like an experience that you just need to relish in and just find out something. And put yourself out there. Exactly. And I think one of also the main messages is the, a, a bad first date does not mean a bad kind of start. It doesn't. It's worked for me. So <laughs> it's worked for me. So yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. It was really great talking to you. Thank you for having me. Runo and Nelly from the Youth Rising team interviewed their mum and their mum's best friend to ask about what relationships mean to them. Can you tell me about your longest lasting friendship? Who is oh, it? Oh, wow. That's my friend, Omar. Right from year one in uni, all through till today. So you stayed friends for like, what, 20 something years? Yeah, well over 20 years. Wow. So what is friendship to you? Friendship? Oh, this is a really difficult <laughs> question. I work in like social sciences research and it's these big words are really, really difficult to define. But friendship for me is like the second sacred thing after family and not easy to find yeah. relationship. It's something that is difficult to find these days, especially in the world that we're currently living, where you rarely find things mm -hmm. that are 
genuine anymore. <laughs> what would you say community means to you? Community means uh, people around me influence one another in positive ways. We communicate, we bond, we help and assist. We find comfort and solace in one another. Yeah, that's what I say community means to me. And final question, what's the secret to a long-lasting friendship? For me personally, it's respect for one another and communication. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. Sophie spoke to the winner of The Circle, Alex Holborn, and his girlfriend, Millie, about how the internet has influenced the way we form relationships. Hi, Alex and Millie. Thanks for joining us on the Youth Rising podcast today. Hey, Sophie. It's so great to have you both here to chat about connections online and in real life and what makes a solid relationship. Pleasure. So, Alex, you're the first winner of The Circle, and despite being a fictional person on the show, you seem to be friends with some of the people you met on it. Can you tell us a bit about how you formed Honest Connections despite being dishonest? Well, it didn't come easy, that's for sure. I mean, initially it was quite difficult after they had all been deceived and were very upset that I won. However, what quickly happened afterwards is that we realised we were the only people that had ever experienced a show like that. We were the only people that had been locked in those rooms for four weeks. We had all sorts of stories to share. So I kind of built my relationships with the team and the rest of the cast off that principle and the fact that not many people have been on a reality TV show, let alone on one like that. So we had a lot of shared experiences and I feel like that's quite a key part to building a successful relationship. Why did you decide to be a fictional version of Millie on the show? What was it that made you think she would be more likeable and believable? I felt that a female was going to be more engaged with because it was a show about social media and females from my experience tend to have better engagement on social media than males. I was going to play just a random female character and that was my game plan. And then Millie stopped me one day and you said why don't you just be me? Because you know everything about me, you know the ins and outs of my personality and you can portray it really well. And that kind of struck a chord with me. You made a point of saying that you weren't playing me, you were just using my image. So it wasn't a massive jump for them on the outside to then get to know know you. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, you go through like this cycle in there and it's casting my mind back. But I remember going through a cycle where I'm like, ha ha ha, I'm going to fool all these people and play someone else. And then eventually it became so hard to do that because you're like, I've been doing this for days now and I'm driving myself crazy. And then you kind of go back to being yourself, but behind this different person. So it was like Millie's face with my personality, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Which is fun. It was really fun at the time. But it was nice for me to see the public. Obviously, I was on the outside and could see kind of how people were responding to him. And it was nice that that was coming across. So his funny side and... Um, how sensitive you can be and yeah yeah. what was it like to meet the other members of the circle cast after the show did they say meeting you Alex were basically just like Kate or was it weird for them to meet you Millie when they'd be imagining you all along I think it's it depends who you ask I think Mm -hmm. some people were like loved the fact it was me and, and really enjoyed meeting me other people I was nervous about them meeting Millie because they ever like got to know you or, mm. or in some cases had a love interest in you. I remember that the guy said that the the weirdest part of it was when we would text afterwards, obviously we got each other's numbers and, and we had each other on WhatsApp. My WhatsApp profile was the same as the one that oh. you use and they said it, <laughs> they just found 
it tripped them out. I think they didn't, yeah. I can imagine, that would get me as well. (laughs) So you were both obviously completely cut off from each other while you were on the show. What was it like for both of you? You always think when you're watching from the outside on like reality TV shows, you're like, why are they crying? Like, why are they, it's not even a big deal. They've only known each other two weeks, all this stuff. But it's so intensified um, when you're on there. And that's all you live, 24 hours a day, the bright lights, the heat. And then there's a huge amount of downtime, but without any entertainment. So if you think about, you've had everything taken away, your phone, everything, no Netflix, and you're just left to your own devices. We're not used to that in the modern day as humans. So it kind of drives you a bit mad in some cases. Um, How was it for you on the outside? Yeah, I think for me, um, I obviously missed him because it was was the longest we'd ever been Mm. apart from each other. And especially because I didn't have any contact, we couldn't obviously text or anything. And also you got to see me every night on TV. Yeah. I didn't get to see you at all, yeah. except for that one picture, yeah. So Millie, how did you and Alex meet? We actually met through work, so we both work in advertising. I work agency side and Alex at the time was in sales. Yeah, we worked on a campaign together and got to know each other that way, got introduced that way. Yeah, it kind of just went from there. There are so many ways to date now and so much choice. <laughs> Do you think there is a development in meeting people is largely a good thing or a bad thing? I think it depends. I think there's a good side and a bad side to everything online. I would say the negative, there is so much choice. So I think it's so easy to look for somebody better. I think people have the tendency to maybe not see things out for as long as they would have done in the past or be more critical of people or of the relationship with said person because they know it's so easy to go ahead and look for some the one up if you will but then equally there is a positive side to it in that especially living through a pandemic it it allows that connectivity that I think meeting somebody in a bar is is kind of now very romanticized but it's not always easy for people if you're Mm. not super confident and yeah, you don't have that kind of personality where you'll go up to a stranger in a bar and ask for their number. So yeah, I think it swings and roundabouts and it just depends on the kind of person you are. Do you think it's possible to make genuine connections with people online or does the filtering make it impossible? Well, I don't think it's impossible. I think like there is quite, there's loads of people I know that have had amazing relationships where they've met the person online before. Mm. There's also an element as well of like finding your tribe and finding people. That yeah, absolutely. I love like really heavy rock music and I don't know a lot of people in my immediate circle that love yeah. really heavy rock music, but I can engage with people online and build relationships with people that do. Yeah. And I think that theme is really valuable um, and something, if we look at relationships, not just as dating, but as friendships and stuff. It's incredible for people to be able to find their tribe, and that's a bit of a buzzword. But And rates of loneliness among 16 to 24-year-olds have skyrocketed in the last few years, despite online communication increasing. Um, what advice would you give to anyone struggling with this? If you can just sit down and self-analyse and pull out some interests that you have and, and just things you really enjoy and that you're very passionate about, and write those down, and then try and explore ways online of finding other people that feel the same I think you'll start to build way better connections yeah, and more meaningful more meaningful than, than just people in your Instagram followers or your Facebook list it could be everything from carving wood to climbing trees to playing chess there's so many um, just find what your interest is and then figure out how to do it because we're very fortunate to have that option these days thank you for coming on to the Youth Rising podcast Alex and Millie it was great to have you thanks for having oh, us yeah, thank you for having us The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS.
Runo spoke to Celebs Go Dating relationship expert and life coach Anna Williamson about how you know when to invest in a relationship and asked her about the things you wanted to know when it comes to dating. Hi Anna, thanks for joining me on the Youth Rising podcast. It's really great to have you on. Ah, uh, it's good to be here, Runo. Thanks for having me on. So you are a relationship expert and matchmaker on Celebs Go Dating and also a life coach. So we thought what better person to talk about connections, communication and forming those meaningful relationships, romantic or otherwise, than with you. We've had loads of questions come in from our followers about dating on social media and we would love your help in answering them. But first, we wanted to ask you a few questions about relationships in general. Is that right? You can ask me whatever you like, Runo. I just hope I have the answers. (laughs) Right. What would you say is the best way to meet new people? Is social media a good place to turn to? Particularly with the pandemic, I think it's really good to utilise social media within reason. But I would say don't fully go with it, but utilise it a little bit. But I think the main thing is to be intentional with what you're going to use social media for, because it can be very overwhelming. We all have all the apps, you know, there's the Snapchat, there's all the dating apps, there's Instagram. And um, it can be very overwhelming to meet people because of the sheer volume of people that are there. And it's very difficult to work out who's actually real and who is genuinely wanting to make a connection or who's a bit of a time waster. So the way that I always recommend to do that is by first of all is really just knowing who you are. It all starts with ourselves, okay, and being in a position where we want someone, not that we need them if that makes sense. So I would always say stick out your intention. You know, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a safe uh, but fun, you know, hookup or are you looking for something more? Are you looking for a relationship? And it's not about being clingy it's not about being too forward or too confident or too keen it's actually about being self-confident enough to say this is what I want hey if you're remotely up for that too great let's chat and if you're not don't waste my time so yeah social media is a great way of doing it but equally joining different activities different hobbies different interests is also a brilliant way of meeting like-minded people that you might find you have a connection with some people asked about age and when you're ready for a romantic relationship so we wondered if you could tell us a bit about when you had your first relationship how did it come about and how do you look back on that experience now in my 23 years of doing broadcasting no one's ever asked me that so I feel like it's always good to throw the question back yes I love that Runa you you are a force to be reckoned with so the honest answer I've had my first boyfriend when I was 14 okay nearly 15 and it was a bit strange for me really because I grew up as a real tomboy and I used to hang out with boys to hang out with my brothers my brothers even now are still two of my best mates so actually for me it was really weird to because I had my best friend who was a boy as well when I was like 12 13 so it was really odd to suddenly see guys in a different light you know I recognized that I was interested in boys as opposed to girls when I was about 13 I think I think I think actually I remember First time I realised that I, I fancied boys was when, um, and this is showing my age, but Neighbours used to be on and Jason Donovan, who is now really old, but he was on Neighbours and he was like, everyone used to really fancy him. And I remember going, oh my God, he's just the most beautiful person I've ever seen. So then I realised that, okay, I, I perhaps did, you know, puberty had kicked in and I fancied boys. And I was at school and I went on a school trip. Um, I was in the uh, year just below GCSE year. There was a boy in 
in lower sixth, woo, a whole two years above me, which was obviously pretty major. And we went on a school trip and he fancied me and I fancied him and we kind of, you know, had a snog. Uh, and we kind of went out with each other for, for a good two or three years, actually. And he was, I would say, was probably my first love. And I'm really grateful, actually, and really blessed because it gave me a great foundation for relationships because I managed to explore my sexuality and intimacy with someone that was really trustworthy and that I cared about and that cared about me. So um, that's not for everybody, I know, and it certainly wasn't the same for some of my friends, but that was definitely my first relationship. And we split up when uh, we were 17. And then, yeah, I've, I've kind of been someone that's always liked being in relationships, actually. I've always enjoyed it. Another question here is, can teen relationships last? How do you make long-term relationships work? I get asked this quite a lot, actually. Absolutely, teen relationships can work. I've got friends of mine, you know, lots of people I know through my world of relationships who, you know, met at school and they're still together many, many years later. And we've all heard of those, you know, lovely grannies and grandpas who met when they were at school and they're here still together 70 years later. You know, So it can absolutely work. The important thing about a relationship, whether you meet as teens, whether you meet in your 20s, your 30s, your 70s, it's that you have the same values that you ideally have similar interests, but that's that's not everything. It's that you have the same values. And a value is what is important to me. What do I value in life? You know, from my experience, you know, I met my husband um, and we met and married actually really quickly. And he's seven years younger than me. But it's because we really connected over our shared value of family. We really got each other and the importance of that and where we were going. So shared values and shared goals. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're 16 or you're 60, if you you have shared values and goals and you have respect for each other and an interdependent relationship and that is a relationship which is where you have your own interests outside of the relationship your own autonomy you've got your own set of friends and everything else but then you have your relationship together as a couple if you get that nailed listen anyone can be together whilst in a relationship or in a friendship how do you navigate arguments or conflicts of interest with significant other or friends partners okay so the Good news is that it is healthy to argue, okay? So when it comes to couples coaching or couples counselling or therapy, um, it's actually a worry uh, to coaches like myself if a a relationship, if a couple don't ever bicker. Um, It actually shows a healthy relationship if you do have a bicker. Now, obviously, we need to be really strict about where those lines are that we don't cross them. There is an argument and then there's an argument, right? And any argument that crosses a line into when you feel unsafe or it's not okay or it's disrespectful, then that is obviously a hard no. We walk away. Big red flag. But a bicker is really, really normal. And it shows as well in a relationship that you care, that you have an opinion on something, that you want your voice to be heard. Um and that you are passionate about whatever you are arguing about. And it might be the fact that, I don't know, someone hasn't done the housework, or it might be that, uh, you know, you're, you're concerned about, you know, where your partner is, you know, wherever it may be. It often comes from a place of care and concern, okay, in a healthy argument. So it's important to have those boundaries um, when it comes to arguing and bickering. And work out what your communication preference is. Okay, so this is how you argue effectively. Essentially, it's 
communicating effectively. Now, my husband, he's a bit fiery, he's Latin, he's a bit, ah, likes to get it all out, bang, you know, I am a bit more pensive, I'm a bit more, you know, I like to kind of step away, think and then come back. Now, no arguing style is right or wrong in that instance, but we repel because he wants to talk it all out and I want to walk away. Well, that's not going to get us anywhere. So it's about compromise and communication. So in your partnership, work out what you need to do. It's usually good to do this when you're not in an argument. Like when you've got out of an argument, say to each other, right, next time we go into an argument, how can we make this more productive? So me and my husband, for example, he needs to have his say. I accept it and go, I've heard you. And then I'm like, can we now just take five so I can digest it? And then we'll come back and resolve anything. And that is our style. So that's why I say it's compromise and communication. How do you tell someone that you don't vibe with them? What I would, first of all, say, though, is don't ghost, okay? It's not cool. It's not cool just to go silent on someone and move on. Because first and foremost, it's showing a lack of respect, okay? Now, in my experience, and this is my experience in Celebs Go Dating, where we get a lot of celebrities that don't want to continue dating people, you know what? We just say, thank you but this isn't for me, or worse to that effect. Because you know what? In my experience, not one person has been upset or offended by someone telling them that it's not for them. They might be a little bit, oh, a bit gutted, but you know what? They've Every single time, they respect the honesty and them having the guts to tell them without leaving them wondering and thinking, is it me? You know, what is it? Have they, you know, are they okay? Or have I done something wrong? Because what you're doing is you're leaving someone in no man's land. And you know, we all know how our minds can play tricks on us. It can really damage our self-esteem and our ego because we're not sure. If you're not vibing with someone, do the decent thing. Treat others as to how you would like to be treated. And I'm not saying it's an easy conversation, but I tell you now, it is a respectful one and you will feel proud of yourself for doing the right thing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anna. You've given some excellent advice and it's been a joy to chat to you. It's been my complete pleasure. Some brilliant questions. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. If you've got a question we haven't covered or feel affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, you can head to themix.org.uk for free advice and support for under 25s on relationships, mental health and more. Each week, our guests have been recommending books that have inspired them based on the episode topic. This week's books are... So the book I would recommend is Ant Middleton, Zero Negativity, and it makes you think about all the positives rather than the negatives, and I think that then brings the best out of you to then find the best people to build your circle. So the book I would like to recommend is The Secret History by Donna Tartt. For some reason, I thought it was more like The Alchemist, but it's not that at all. It's a coming of age story with a bit of a thriller added into that. And yeah, if you're in uni or about to go to uni, I think this book would be one for you. The book I would recommend, and this sounds a little bit like I'm cheating, but it's just very timely because I released it only a few weeks ago. It's a book by me. I wrote it just through the pandemic. It's very reflective of the world of dating and relationships right now. If you're feeling a bit rusty, or you're not sure, or you're arguing, or you're not really sure what to do, this really is the book for everybody. It's called Where Is The Love? The Honest Guide to Dating and Relationships, and it's by me, Anna Williamson. 
here at the Youth Rising team, we recommend A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. This book is a fantasy series taking BookTok by storm. And while you can absolutely get swept up in the magic, romance and adventure, it's Mass's stunning insights into the significance of found family that makes this five book series truly special. That's it for this series. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it. Do listen back to the rest of the Youth Rising series and rate, review and follow Youth Rising wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out our socials at NCS on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat and YouTube. I'm Musim Mahmood and thank you to Nelly, Runo and Sophie for their help on this episode and of course to our guests Finley, Alex, Millie and Anna. This was a Something Else production for NCS, where young people turn No You Can't into No We Can. Young Voices, Big Issues. Join us as we explore the real power of youth rising. Youth rising. rising. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS.